everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of One Vision, brought to you by Unconventional Ventures. Today we have the wonderful opportunity to have our guest Danielle with us. Not only she's very well known on social media, she's also a good friend of ours, and we have had quite adventurous travel most recently in Bordeaux. So thanks for joining us, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be、uh, amongst the two of you and to be a part of this opportunity. And have a chance to chat, right?、Um, so, as with all the other fifty podcast episodes, we love to include guests that are well known in the space, guests that are doing amazing work, and guests that have a voice and guests that are different.、Um, the focus of what we're trying to do is to bring different perspectives of the work that we're doing, be it social media, AI, financial technology, and cybersecurity.、Um, Little and anything and everything in wealth management, and we only include women, amazing women,、um, because guess what? As with women, we can there are a lot of things we can talk about other than just gender, and that's the go of the show today.、Um, and so, I have a quick question for you. You were with AIG for quite a few years before working in Mercer. See, I'm learning. Uh, new things every time I talk to you, but for the last two plus years, which is when、um, we get to know you better, you are the global head of social media and distributed content, and you have done an amazing job elevating the brands entirely, actually, seriously, totally, completely, tirelessly curating amazing content because I love your feed. Yours is one that I follow and click on every day. You share amazing stuff.、Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how you actually get into the current role that you're doing, and and how do you actually manage it? Because it's it's a lot of work, but it's really good work.、Uh, well, first of all, thank you. That that's a huge compliment coming from yourself, where I would、uh, reciprocate in saying the exact same thing that I check your feeds on all social channels on a daily basis, and you keep me very active with my reading. So、um, uh, I definitely、uh, think very highly of all the work that you're doing on social and learn a lot from it. Um, it's a great question.、Uh, the, the last 13 years have been pretty interesting and very exciting.、Um, so first of all, thank you for the kind compliments about the work that we're doing at Mercer. It takes a village,、um, so I think that's you know straight off the bat、um, to to build and lead social media for an organization of the size of Mercer.、Um, and I'm super fortunate to have a team and employees across the globe that are really instrumental to the success. So. It's it's really not a, an effort of one, but it's an effort of many across the organization.、Um, but you mentioned, you know, a little bit kind of how I got into this role, and so maybe just rewinding quickly back to AIG, which is、um, the organization I had joined in 2006, and in, which is insurance.、Um, the the really the the reason I ended up shifting is,、um, you know, my desire was to take my experience in the insurance. And financial services industry, which I'd been in for over 15 years at that time, to an international level.、Um, I was working at Guardian Life Insurance prior to AIG, and I would walk back and forth to the to work every day, and I would see the AIG offices. And to me, it, it was like an organization that we know is in every one every country. There are over 80 offices around the globe. So I thought, you know, what a great opportunity! How do I transition from a domestic insurer to a global insurer? Um, and long story short, you know, I applied, and within the same week they called me. So I was super impressed. I was like, "Wow, that's fast!"、Um, what I didn't know at the time was that they were recruiting me for a completely different opportunity <laughs> than I'd even applied for.、Um, the rest is history. I, I, and I joined them in 2006 as the、um, 
head of the product marketing team for the consumer business, and then had three very different careers um, or career experiences while I was there, going from product marketing to pivoting and establishing actually the first ever global product development team for the company with a full end-to-end process, bringing together all functions from actuarial to underwriting, legal compliance, through to sales and marketing. And then my last three years was actually on the customer insights team, which is another new function that I set up. Um, and it was at a pivotal time in the insurance industry. When we think about where we are now and rewind 10 plus years ago, the whole industry was undergoing a radical awakening that we could no longer just grow our business by pushing out insurance products and creating demand. We actually had to deeply understand our customers and create services and solutions to meet their needs. So it was super exciting to kind of take on that journey. What happened from there was I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's a, a really successful executive recruiter in the insurance space. And he asked me what I wanted to do next. I, I was I, almost at 10 years at AIG. So what was in my next 10 years? Um, and while I was building this deep expertise in insurance, it was at the cost to a certain degree of not keeping pace with everything else outside of the space, meaning, you know, the digital world was exploding. Um, and AIG wasn't really the place where we, I would say we were cutting edge in digital channels, in marketing and social media or in any facet. So the conversation really struck me and actually it haunted me. Um, and I kind of felt like I knew I had to do something about it. It's probably if I think back. And um, so I kind of started assessing myself and kind of looking at my career. And I immediately noticed that social media was one area where I was lacking severely. I mean, I didn't use my Twitter account. My LinkedIn account was just for job hunting. And I was pretty much never, not really anywhere else. Or if I was, I was just a ghost. So it really got me to the point that I realized I had to do something or I was going to become a dinosaur myself. And I'm way too young in this new world that we live in where we're going to, you know, live to 100 and work forever to kind of burn out. So um, I actually took the step and I left AIG um, and went on a, a, essentially a sabbatical and I proceeded to learn social media. Um, and I became so obsessed with it. I would spend 10 to 12 hours a day studying social media channels, testing, learning. So if you scroll back to my very first tweets, that it was like April 2016, they're really funny. They're, they're almost worth going back for just for the laugh. Um, so I lived online and I did that for about five months. And uh, as a respected adult <laughs> uh, needing to earn an income, I looked for a job at the same time. And so I started with Mercer in August of that year um, as the global head of marketing for their investments business. Again, not related to social media, but I kept building it behind the scenes. So when I joined Mercer, I, I saw that they had an employee advocacy community. They had a thriving social media program. Um, so I thought, well, I'm going to join as an employee and advocate for the brand that I now work for and continue learning. And it just so happened that over the following kind of 12 months, there was definitely changes in the organization and then an opportunity came up where I was given the opportunity in the summer of 2017 to join the social media team, um, which was kind of scary. You got to envision, right? I'm online chatting with you and with Brad and with all these other people that I'm meeting, but now to actually do this for an organization um, with a very different way of looking at it. But if there's one thing about me, I, I love a challenge. I love to push my own boundaries. And it's very rare that I'm going to say no to a door that opens if it's something that I think has just immense potential. So the rest is history. Um, I walked through the door. And uh, since then, I've, I've had the pleasure to work with just the most incredible people. 
doing amazing things who inspire me daily, challenge me daily, and, um, and here we are. That's my career in a nutshell. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna like ask this question. Um, I probably ha- knew the name Mercer before you know you were sort of introduced into the the Twitter sphere and started doing this for them on social. Um, but I had no idea going into things like our I think the first Twitter chat I ever did with you guys or, or those type of activities, what it is that Mercer was. Um, so I will say that it takes people like you to advocate on their behalf to reach a broader audience. And so I would say, you know, kudos to you and the team for doing that. Because again, I think it's underappreciated what it takes to get a brand into new sort of groups and and communities um, where they weren't before. So let's talk about how, you know, your team works with social media. It's, It's more than just engagement with content. It's really interacting with people and getting to know them and trying to sort of extend the brand in, in a new way. You know, what are some of those sort of tools and things that you've learned in your last couple of years working with this brand that, that have really helped it? Yeah, I love the question, Brad. Um, I mean, essentially what you're, you're, you're saying is, you know, how are we putting the social in social media, um, which is something that that I'm really passionate about. Um, and when I look at the work underway, specifically at Mercer, um, you know, for us, it's really about community. And why that's so important is that many organizations today, they, they use their social media channels as just a way of broadcasting digitally. So it's no different than like traditional PR, except you've now put it on a social channel and you're just pushing it out to the world. It's like you're holding this virtual megaphone and just screaming, look at me, you know, read our press releases or read our white paper. Um, I'm sure you know what I mean. And I'm sure you've seen it. And there are brands out there that just push, push, push. And that is one way of doing it. But at least my perspective is that that's, that's not social media. That's just media. So when I think of what Mercer does and what other organizations have the opportunity to do, you know, my first tip is, you know, put the social back in social media. Um, And there's a few ways that brands can do that. I mean, if I think of how we've evolved over the past kind of two years, and it's been a radical transformation for the social program at Mercer. um, The first of all is really having a diversified kind of content strategy. Um, I love Anne Handley. So if you ever follow Anne Handley, she's a a marketing um, thought leader and influencer, but, some of the things that she says are just simple truths. And it's like one of them is just documenting a content strategy. It's amazing how many people you come across that actually don't have one on paper. It doesn't have to be fancy. You can handwrite it. But to have something on paper that tells the world and tells you what's my roadmap for communication. And for us, we really focus on a couple of things. We focus on sharing brand, brand thought leadership, obviously. It's important to be able to articulate why Mercer is here, how Mercer is helping our clients and how we can help serve the needs of others. Um, It's equally important though, to think about everything else out there that's talking about that same topic. So one of the areas we focus on is health. We have a point of view on health, but then there's experts out there, there's industry publications, there's trades, there's PR media events that are all talking about health as well. So to us, it's important to bring that content into our social media conversation. And then on top of that, I guess the third component is really our employees because more of us are being bombarded every day by brands, but we really aren't, you know, the brands don't really connect with us. 
brands, I would say, are really not authentic, but people are. And so the more we can inspire and empower our people to really become the voice of our brand, I would say that's like the third pillar um, that we have to our content strategy. And together now, you've created a much more diverse content stream. It's more engaging. You're reaching a broader audience. And you're also bringing people to that conversation through all of that. Um, so the second tip that I would kind of t lean towards is, is then engagement. Um, again, we all, we all obsess over our follower accounts. And I see it all the time. And people are celebrating milestones, which I think is awesome. But at the end of the day, whether you're a professional, a brand, an influencer, it doesn't matter your role, the follower accounts are only valid if they're actually engaged with what you're doing or what you're sharing or how you're helping people. Um, so equally, a brand needs to have an engaged community. So if we have 300,000 people and none of them engage with our content, it's just a number. Um, so we work very closely um, on different tactics to make sure that we are connecting with people. So if you have a conversation with the Mercer brand, the brand will talk back to you. If you ask a question, we'll answer. If you share our content, we'll thank you. Um, and I think it's simple. It's always on, but it's not something you see consistently, but it makes a huge difference, especially as we're becoming more and more virtual. Um, and then the last kind of tip I would, I would really go back to, and I mentioned it earlier, is, is, our, is our employees. I say over and over again that people are an organization's most valuable asset, and you might have seen me say that on social, but I really believe it. Um, they're the voice of your brand. They're often the front line with your customers, your prospects, with your customer service. Um, they're the best equipped to go out there and speak about your brand in their own words, authentically, and talk with their communities. And if you, if you were to look at all their communities and add them up, I would probably think that footprint is actually bigger than your brand's footprint as well and more engaged. Um, so the opportunity for us to build trust with our people and to really train them, provide them the tools and the know-how to go out there and build their personal brands. And through that process, engage with Mercer and help elevate our brand on social media, I, I really think that's kind of the secret sauce to um, everything that we're doing. I, I can't agree more. Um, there are a lot of things that you just said that resonated, and I'll echo what, what Brad said earlier too, is when I think of Mercer, I think of you. You provide at the soul and, and the face for the brand. Like you create, you create an image of the brand that is very reachable, is very engaging, is very thoughtful, is helpful. And all of that comes out from, you know, what you share, the content you share and how you share. And like you say, engaging with people, right? Responding, engaging, and actually reading and paying attention to what others are saying. I think it's, it's like you say, it, it seems to be common sense, but yet, I think a lot of people don't do it, right? For them, it's like, check the box. Okay, I need to make sure I push out like, I don't know, 20 tweets today and just retweet everything. But there's no thoughts, there's no soul behind it. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not here to judge which one is better, but I, I would say what you're doing resonates and is amazing. So I'm just echoing that. Um, so to which point, you know, one of the things that I love to read about a lot what you share is about future of work and i think it also shows too you know when you're just telling us about your your personal journey about the fact that you want to keep challenging yourself that you need to keep changing you don't want to be a dinosaur um the importance of of lifelong learning which you know we can't stress enough 
Um, why is that important theme now? Why are we seeing so much more push into it the last few years? And, and what more can corporates do? Because we see a lot of backlash, right, with companies around ageism, around, oh, you know, you're older, which is going to trade you out with two, you know, 20-something-year-olds, cheaper, more innovative, right? We hear that from Silicon Valley founders as well. That's a great question. Um, and I think what I love about the topic, and I actually do enjoy it on a personal level, and Mercer obviously um, works in this space on, on a corporate level as well. So I like the synergy, but personally, I love the topic. I mean, if you think about it, it's, a, it's relevant to everyone, um, all of us in some capacity, some more than others. But I don't think there's anyone that could really say this has nothing to do with me. And I'm just going to ignore the entire conversation. It's like, it's like rewind, you know, when the internet was born, I'm just going to ignore the internet. Some people did. Um, but uh, I, I kind of look at it as something that's so critical to all of us. I, I have a seven-year-old daughter and, you know, she doesn't even know what's coming ahead of her, but I think of it in the context of her. So not just me. Um, but, you know, the future of work is here. We, we talk about the future of work, but it actually is now. Um, I just think it's not evenly distributed yet. Um, and when we think about some of the, the more obvious shifts that we see right now with digital disruption, we talk a lot about job displacement, due to automation, um, and then a lot about kind of the opportunity of human augmentation due to kind of a rich partnership with technology. And I think both of those to me are, are really interesting and um, relevant areas. And they affect like the jobs, of, of they affect my job. I mean, it's something I am constantly looking at and making sure that I'm evolving in the right way. They affect the jobs of, of my team, of everyone around us, friends and family. Um, but I think I like to look at everything in a positive light. I always do. So to me, it, it's an opportunity. It, it's a situation that creates constant opportunity. Um, we just may not necessarily see it yet. And I think that's kind of the, the, the sneaky angle. I mean, so often we're so used to thinking a certain way and then we plan for 2020 based on what we know, right? It's kind of hard to plan on what you can't even fathom yet. Um, and I think that's part of um, where I see this doom and gloom. I often will look at it through the lens of, okay, well, let's rewind to when like agricultural jobs were massive. Um, now I, I read a stat recently in a McKinsey paper that they are, they are approximately 2% of kind of the, the employment today. Well, that was certainly not the case at the time, but um, everyone else evolved and we found new ways of working. So in the same capacity, this is a new shift that we're living through. And, and that's why I do look at it through a, a positive way. When I think of corporates though, to your point, um, I think it's really important. And they and us as individuals, and I would actually argue beyond that, the educational you know, and the governments, et cetera, all play a key role. But, I think it's important that organizations start asking themselves, like, do you have the right talent to go into the future for the organization to actually thrive into the future? Um, do their workforces have the right skills? And how do we as organizations go about upskilling and reskilling the workforce? Um, that's a really massive undertaking, especially when you think about how, what it means to kind of go to work is changing at real time at the same time. I mean, from, from remote workers to part-time workers to gig workers to full-time workers, you need to be able to reach all these people and connect with them in, in a meaningful way to help them through this, this transformation. Um, so I, I actually think it's a, it's a massive conversation that people should be thinking about if they're not right now and you're listening to this, 
I think it's worth a pause to really think about that because what's going to happen is the skills gap is only broadening and employees are going to turn to you to help them. And these ideas of having training curriculums where once a year you take training A, B, and C and you check the box. Um, I mean, you mentioned it yourself, right? We, it's lifelong learning now. So the training modalities have to go to being continuous um, and they have to go to being super relevant to these individuals. And um, I read a great piece by Josh Burson recently where instead of talking about soft skills, they taught, called them power skills. Um, we also hear them called human skills. And I actually love this new way of thinking about them because we just have this bias towards the soft skills nomenclature. Um, so if there's another way we can repackage this to elevate the importance of it and be able to help organizations see the value in investing, um, I think that's a, a great shift and I hope we see more of that coming forward. Um, one of the things I think Mercer is exceptional at in this area, and I would actually speak from, from my experience as an employee, not externally um, is about communication and I really think all of us as humans um, struggle to a certain degree with change it makes us nervous it makes us anxious we feel feel fear um, Mercer is really exceptional with our employee community in how we communicate about change and when you look at something like digital disruption that it's actually a positive force it's not something to fear and that it frees up time for us to focus on more challenging and interesting and impactful work. Um, and then through things like mentorships or reverse mentorships, um, and then a breadth of training programs that are available online, offline, at your fingertips through mobile, um, and just really transforming the entire way that we approach education has for us you know, been really instrumental. And it's inspired people. And people then look to opportunities and say, how can I go from maybe a linear career to kind of more of a set of career experiences that are no longer like a step-by-step -step staircase, but are kind of, you know, zigging all over the place, um, following opportunities. So I don't know, that, that's kind of how I, I look at it. Um, and, and we live now in a world of, of continuous learning. And uh, if, if anything an organization is going to take away, I, I kind of feel like we need to let go of yesterday's approaches to learning. And uh, we need to start future-proofing our organizations and our own careers. We would like to give a mention to our creative partner, Tremendousness. Tremendousness is a creative agency that uses visual thinking, information design, and storytelling to help organizations explore innovations, products, and processes. Learn more at www.tremendo.us. So that's an interesting segue, but a bit before I want to like tap into something that you guys both use today, which I think is kind of interesting. I want to, I want to come out as being very pro-dinosaur. And, and what I mean by that is people always use dinosaurs as this, you know, you don't want to become a dinosaur. You don't want to become a dinosaur. You know what? Dinosaurs were around for hundreds of millions of years. And if we're not doing so well in comparison uh, in terms of our time on the planet. So, you know, dinosaurs, except for that one big rock the size of uh, Manhattan that came down and changed their world a little bit. I think they might have been around for a little bit longer. So, but, but segueing from dinosaurs. Before you go, Brad. Yeah? Go ahead. Do you, know, do you know what, what animal exists before um, dinosaur? Fun fact. Uh, single microorganisms, what? 
jellyfish. Okay. I learned that when I was in the aquarium wow. with the kids the other day. Apparently, jellyfish has existed millions of years before dinosaurs, and they're still around. So, you know, jellyfish, dinosaurs, the segue here, that's the important thing. Because <laughs> we should just think about, you know, what it means as technology continues to take over so much more of our lives. I mean, we used to be able to like, you know, have conversations face to face. We used to like be able to like have debates. You know, people would properly have these discussions about the importance of work and education and these kinds of things. Many businesses now overuse technology and they over technologicalize, which is totally not a word, their employees to, you know, eventually we're going to roboticize. That actually might be a word people. Um, how do we find the right balance? We talked about, you know, your human sort of connectivity via social and the fact that, you know, you inject that and your team injects that to make Mercer a human led organization via social and technology. But how do we sort of bridge both tech savvy and human savvy? And, and what's most important for your teams when you talk about not becoming dinosaurs or jellyfish? You know, how do we actually become more jellyfish and actually remember how to talk to one another? That's a great loaded question. I'm going to have to remember, by the way, the jellyfish analogy. I absolutely love that. Um, I mean, my initial reaction is so many of us fall into the trap of kind of more tech, more tech, more tech, because it sizzles and it seems to be the right thing or it makes it look like we're doing the right thing um, to have that flashy new item. But you're right. Um, I think in the excitement of all of the conversation around technology, we kind of lose sight of the purpose or the reason for which the tech is even needed, right? It's not tech and then we figure out how to use it. It's we have something we're trying to accomplish as humans and how does tech enable or help us augment that? Um, and I'm not sure if we've found the right balance yet to, between humanity and technology. Um, and I don't know if organizations necessarily have found that right balance. Um, we probably have all experienced at some point where you know, you use Slack in your organization and then you've got Microsoft Link and then they're going to introduce the next thing. And all of a sudden you've got like four different chatting platforms because they're all trying to make sure that everyone has the right tools. But what you end up with is just a roboticized human, I think is what you called it, Brad, um, which I don't think actually, in my opinion, is, is what we want to aspire to. And I don't think it's what's going to help us. I think we kind of need to look a bit beyond productivity as well. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're, we're in search of innovative ways, essentially, to make machine relationships ultimately improve uh, our abilities to do the best that we can do in our roles, whatever that may be, and also to improve employee satisfaction um, for um, co in colleagues in organizations so that individuals can continue to feel connected um, to the workplace and to the other employees that they work with as the environment around them changes. And, you mentioned kind of Mercer and, you know, we do have to a certain degree very distributed. Um, I, I know for one, my team is across the U.S. and across the globe. So I have no one you know, on my direct team that I can just walk over and, and say hi to, even if I wanted to. Um, but the good news about that is there's so many ways that we can use technology just for the purpose of enhancing human experiences and, and enabling us to do things that we otherwise couldn't. I don't have the luxury of being able to fly to Poland or to Germany or to California, you know, every month or every, every year for that fact to meet team members. Um, but we're able to use something like Zoom, which we're using today, and we're able to come together and, and have kind of those 
more face-to-face -face, um, kind of human conversations, which are incredibly powerful. And um, we're also able to use something you mentioned, social media. So for us, you know, we've created communities on social media for our employees. And, and I think some of you have, have engaged with, both of you have engaged with um, some of our colleagues at, at Life at Mercer, for example, on Twitter. Uh, that's a community that was built solely for the purpose of bringing colleagues together around the globe. And we have thousands of employees that follow at Life at Mercer, that engage with very specific hashtags that are associated with Life at Mercer. And it's kind of like the, you know, old fashioned virtual water cooler, um, because we can't be all together, but this is a way that we can actually be there to virtually. And the commentary and the feedback that we get from individuals that either meet new people across the organization through these channels, or that are learning from one another, are collaborating, are sharing, helping, um, you know, opening doors. It's, it's a daily thing and it's an incredible ecosystem that continues to grow for us. And I mean, it's something that I don't see that often on social media with other organizations, but I actually think it's gonna be pretty instrumental to the future as we become more and more distributed. Like how do we use the different tools and technologies that are at our fingertips to enable us to ultimately build relationships and, and have authentic moments, which is what we all crave. Um, so I, I think all the technology in the world serves a purpose. It can help us, but we can't lose sight of, and maybe those are some of the dinosaur traits, right? Going back to, you know, being dinosaurs, regardless of the journey we go on, we all need relationships. We all value trust and authenticity. Um, now we're just able to kind of do that without leaving the comfort of our home. So, so when we get this live, um, I want to get hashtag dinosaurs trending. I want to get hashtag sizzle because, you know, because it's West, West Coast hours for me, of course, here in, in San Francisco. And so it's making me think of putting eggs in a pan and that kind of stuff. So <laughs> jellyfish, hashtags and sizzle. I want to see trending when we put this out. One of the things I would just quickly say is that, you know, having the opportunity now to have spent some, some time in person um, at that recent event in Bordeaux with you, I would say that you genuinely come across how you are in person. Uh, and not only putting sort of face to Mercer or a personality through you and your team to Mercer, but I think it's, it's incredibly important for brands as they think about how to leverage both humanity uh, in our little tiny bit of time compared to dinosaurs on this planet, our brands and what we're trying to accomplish that we actually hire people that um, are able to engage are able to be human. And so, you know, uh, all kidding aside, you know, I think that that business has evolved so much. Technology's importance has evolved so much, but um, you're doing the right thing. Uh, so just continue you know, to do this amazing job that you are, Mercer, because again, I, I wouldn't have known anything about the company had it not been for your efforts. Can I just say I like it a million times? <laughs> and, and and it is true it is really really true though you, you are genuine um and then we've followed your work on social for a long time before we actually had a chance to meet um i still remember now it's become my favorite lunch place in manhattan um and and it's lovely but it's it's, it's amazing you put the face to it and um i love the life at mercer um i enjoy looking at people you know what they accomplished marathons uh, running, swimming, all kinds of things, outdoors, connecting with nature. But all of that puts, puts a personality, puts a face, puts a character to the brand. It represents what the brand is about. It's not just this cold corporate with a logo that pushes out paper, but actually in, 
engages with the society, engages with communities, engages with things that we care about that's important for our future and, and putting meat behind it. So, um, and, and, and I love it. And so a lot of that, it's around, you know, in the end of it, ultimately, right? It's, it's, it's about putting customers first. It's about helping your clients transform their business. Um, and yet, if you look across, right, like you say, not just on social where, you know, they're just doing things, check the box or, you know, pushing things out, trying to say, hey, you know, look at me. This is what I'm doing. Oh, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. Check me out. And it's, it, it's just lip surface. Like, oh, we care about customers. Of course, find me one business out there that will actually come out and say, I don't really care about customers. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing though, right? Um, what are some companies that you think are actually doing it right? That's not just pushing things out. That's not, that's, that's actually thinking about from a customer's perspective, what is interesting, what is useful, what's important, and actually creating moments to enable them. Are there some that you, you like, um, or can you describe them if you don't want to name names? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the part you mentioned is so funny. You mentioned like everybody is saying they put customers first. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm envisioning all these pigs with lipstick lying around in my mind. Um, Hashtag lipstick. Be, yeah, because it's true. I mean, it, they say they're going to do something and really they just kind of put a, a covering over top of it and check the box, and but nothing really changes. Um, it's a great question. I mean, and I as much as I love what I do, I equally love to travel, as you know, and to enjoy experiences. So I'm always looking for those brands that to me really exemplify that. And yeah, I mean, I can, I can name a couple that, that come to mind. I mean, I have a seven-year-old daughter, so I, I'm going to put Disney into that, into that bucket um, for one. Um, I mean, they, they really invest deeply in, in building an emotional connection with their customers or their potential customers, and they prioritize relationships. So at the end of the day, it's, again, about being authentic. What are the things that we value the most as humans? You know, relationships, authenticity, trust. Um, and, and to me, Disney comes up in that conversation. I travel a lot. I fly on a ton of airlines. Um, so to me, you know, that's a huge opportunity. That whole industry is a huge opportunity for complete transformation. Um, but JetBlue is one that stands out to me. Um, and uh, they stand out to me just simply because of the way they get relationships. They understand that it's all about engagement and interaction and the, the possibilities for how that scales. So when I think of social media and JetBlue, you know, they are engaging with their customers at all times. Um, they kind of, they're, they're being social on social media. And not many organizations have really looked strategically at, here's my customer base. And then there's three plus billion people on social media that could be my customer. If only they knew a little bit more about us in a truly authentic way. And what better way to do that than to allow the whole world to see real engagements with um, people who are flying JetBlue. And I think they've done some really phenomenal things around that. And then the last one to me, um, which, which, which comes up, um, is Ritz-Carlton. And we hear that one a lot, but actually my husband really likes Ritz-Carlton. So when we go on vacation, if there's a Ritz-Carlton property, I will always be scoping it out as an option. So we've been to quite a few. Um, and we have a seven-year-old. And I, I just feel like it's the little things 
that are that are that happen throughout the experience, the way they anticipate customers' needs, the way they know how to use their data um, in service of us. I mean, every time we go, you capture a little bit about the person, right? From from what do you call that room service to perhaps if you're doing some outings or maybe the airports you're flying in and out of there's so many data points um but so many organizations don't know how to really capture that and then transform that into information and then really build some insights from that to help fuel better business decisions and i think that ritz carlton is is a company that to me stands out as someone that that gets that really well, and, and when I look across these companies, and I'm sure there's many more, I, I'm sure there's, you know, you've probably got your own set in your mind as well. But the, the one thing that stands out to me is that they, they truly have a competitive advantage when you think about them. Because, um, you know, you can survive through tech and digital disruption if you keep that dinosaur characteristic of truly having an obsession with understanding and, I don't know, delighting and connecting and serving our customers or the communities that we serve. Uh, and that's something as well when I think of Mercer across all that we do, it's such a simple fundamental um, value. And so all of our colleagues that are on social media, you know, we're all working towards and with those same principles. And those transcend professional and personal. And we live in a world now where everything is integrated. So we need to look at it that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are kind of what I would say when I, what I look for in organizations and a couple that I think stand out to me. I absolutely agree with the Disney one too. You know, having kids, it's, they're, they're just amazing. <laughs> they create the magical moments. They, they do. And, and, and they, they outsmart every parent and they make it look effortlessly. effortlessly. Oh, and, and they outsmart our wallet too. they certainly do oh they certainly do yeah um i'm just trying to to picture now jellyfish dinosaurs children and all these like things together and it's like i think we learn an awful lot not just uh, from our children but now i'm going to be learning a lot about jellyfish um because i just thought dinosaurs were fascinating before but now jellyfish i see is uh, going to inherit the earth um so along those lines um jellyfish notwithstanding what have been some of your favorite moments uh, via social um, and, and which channel has derived, you know, sort of those favorites? Is it one over another? Is it like something we haven't heard? Were you like using MySpace back in the day? Like, you know, talk about your favorite moments uh, through digital. Favorite moments. Wow. That's a tough one. Well, you know, I would be missing out probably my most favorite moment, which is not tied to a particular channel per se. If I didn't say that, I show up on social media pretty much daily and I spend a, a, a significant amount of time when I do show up every day. And, and Theo, you mentioned earlier um, the idea of really truly engaging and, you know, reading, for example, and, and most of my community will know that I actually read what I engage with. Um, I'm not a fan of blind engagement and just kind of retweeting or sharing or liking or just putting a gratuitous comment. I actually like to read it. And if I don't like to read it, then I'm not going to, but I'm not going to engage with it um, because I want to benefit from it. And I want to be able to add value back. Um, and someone's taking the time to share it. And it, I think, it, you know, as a community member, I want to be respectful of that. But to me, on a personal level, I, I, it has to be, I mean, there is no place on earth today that I feel you can meet as many incredible people with no geographic barriers 
um, than social media. And if I think, I mean, I met both of you through social and then we all ended up in Bordeaux together. Um, I mean, if I think about all the other people that I, I engage with and I respect and look forward to communicating with daily, that in itself to me is probably one of my most memorable moments as to when someone asks me, why do you do it? The list goes on about the number of people that I've met, the opportunities that have come through that, the ways I've been able to give back as well. Um, when I think about it from a professional perspective, I'd actually actually hone in on one specific moment in my career in the past couple of years. Um, and both of you actually participated in that moment. Um, but uh, in January of this year, on January 21st, actually, of this year, we hosted an event on Twitter, and it was called our Mega Chat. And it was a Mercer chat, but it was a special one. It ran for three hours. And actually, it ran for seven and a half hours before the, the volume started twindling down. But the physical program was three hours long. And that, to me, actually stands out as a favorite moment. Um, the reason why is uh, I was in London last December, and I was speaking at a financial services event. And I happened to learn by following my Instagram channel that Tamara McCleary was also in London. And so, of course, I reached out, and we, we, we got together and, and had an evening out, and it was super fun. But... Through that evening conversation, I was talking about the upcoming World Economic Forum event and some of the things I was trying to do, and it was all around engagement and, and really building a conversation with the entire globe. So, of course, we started going back and forth, and what ended up happening out of that is we came up with the idea and actually the name Megachat, so that's where it was born. Um, fast forward to this past January, we had over 100 influencers, thought leaders, SMEs, employees, brands, media, everyone for three hours talking about topics that are so relevant to all of us as individuals, as professionals, as brands. Um, and as a, as a professional in the space, I mean, it exceeded every expectation I had, every KPI. Um, so for someone who invests so much into community building and social media, it was, it was truly something special. I don't know if I'll ever be able to replicate it to that level, but um, I think it shows us what's possible and how much untapped this whole area is. And I think that to me, that's got to go down as a favorite professional moment. I remember the mega chat. I was actually getting <laughs> off the plane. I ended up sitting in a coffee shop for the entire hour so I could tweet because I was, I was trying to multitask. I'm like, you know what? I can't do it. So I ended up finding a spot and, um, and, and sat in front of my computer for a whole hour. So I remember that. That was, that was epic. I would say it was, it really it was, was. epic. Yes. It's, yes. it's, been, it's been 10 months and my notifications are still streaming from that uh, you know, epic chat or mega chat hashtag. Oh, no, Hashtag it jellyfish. It blew my mind. <laughs> I had to clear. I had to clear the whole day because I, I, you know, I was connecting with our agency afterwards. I'm like, it's not ending. I mean, so we can't walk away. And so you know, you're like chatting all day, and then you know, and, and we ended up trending actually for the World Economic Forum for the whole week. Which again, as a social person, you know, you get super excited about these silly things. But um, and and actually, at, at the end of the day, I mean, I was able to find a way to do something collaboratively and back to the whole idea of using tech and how do we make up for this face-to-face, -face, it was almost like we were all hanging out, countries, like over 30 countries across the globe, all hanging out in one conversation, chatting around the clock as time zones woke up, went to sleep, and um, it's pretty exciting. It's definitely really exciting. 
Well, and it's it great to love what you do. It is. It is. And it goes back to your point too. It's, it's collaborative, right? It's not a one-way street. It's two ways. You're engaging with them. They find value, so they engage back with you. And that's the best thing you can do as a corporate. doesn't matter what medium you use is you have a way to connect with people. And that in itself, I think it's, 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 a, um, it's an important thing, an amazing thing that you just did. Um, so congrats and kudos. And uh, we look forward to more Twitter chat, but more importantly, more in-person meetings. Um, we love Absolutely. we love our last trip, so let's make that happen again. Jean-Baptiste, this is not a hint. Um, it's a request. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with that, thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you had as much fun as we did. Um, I know what Brad is thinking now, jellyfish and dinosaur. Um, and uh, we will hopefully connect back with you in person soon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been just an amazing conversation. I'm inspired for the rest of the day and the weekend. So thank you so much. Thank you.